0: Episode 110, James Keo. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki back on Gut Plus Science and ready to share my friend and mentor, James Keel, Chief Human Resources Officer of McAllister Machinery. James has an incredible leadership background and today wants to share a topic that he's passionate and skillful around, which is change. We're going to talk about being a change agent in HR and beyond. James Keogh, I'm so excited to hang with you today on Gut Plus Science. Finally, we've been working on this for a while. We're talking today about being a change agent, especially as an HR leader. So if we're going to be a change agent in HR or really any role, what mindset is important to consider?
1: Well, Nikki, first, I want to say I'm very excited to spend this time with you this morning. Uh, We've we've talked about it, and uh, I think this is a valuable use of time. As you know, I I love sharing. In terms of being a a change agent, uh, I think the first thing you have to embrace is to be nimble ourselves as it relates to understanding the reasons for change, the value of change, and being able, we can't help spur it until we model the the behaviors and the, the thought processes behind leading change.
0: Yes, spot on. I definitely agree with that. And share with us just a little bit about where your passion came from on this topic, because we spent some time, you know, over the past year that we've talked about doing the podcast, and this was the topic we landed on. So help me understand where this, you know, resonates with you and why it's an important topic.
1: Well, I think that, you know, when you talk about HR, we are very important to the business meet its uh, goals. People will say, well, HR is not a, Profit center, but we are very important in, in supporting those uh, on many levels that are. And I think that my career has led me to several companies that were either going through change or about to go through change, needed to engage change, and the ability to leverage HR as a trans transformational agent. Has always been exciting to me. You know, it's one thing to come into to a company that is already sort of running smoothly. Uh, they're strong in their segment. They understand the future. They're not really looking uh, quite as forward in in many ways as it relates to the people uh, areas. So I've, I've had the opportunity to join several companies that were again, needing to embrace change in several ways. And I've kind of built my career for joining companies that were in varying stages of change.
0: I'm going to ask at some point today for you to tell us a story of one of your most profound experiences around being part of the change agent process. So I'm excited to hear that. But before we get there, let's just talk about change being hard. It's hard for many. Statistically speaking, it's many people struggle with it. We all have at different times. What are your tips or ideas around just embracing, like just coming from that place of embracing new ways of doing things?
1: Well, I think that we have to understand that things are always changing. Things around us are always changing. So if we don't embrace change, certainly in a number of personal ways as relates to our business, then we are not as relevant as we could be as we live our lives, as we do our business. So um, I think that it's very important that we all understand that you can either be a part of change, you can be a change agent, or you can be a victim of change as well. So I think that we have to be forward thinking. And also as it relates to, uh, we look at the the need for change and how do we help spur change. The only way that you can change behaviors is if you can change the way we believe or think about things. So, We we sort of have to get it in our own heads and our own mindset that we have to, particularly in HR, understand, change ourselves, again, the reasons for it, the value of it, uh, so that we can help spur the process with our internal clients.
0: Okay, so here's the million-dollar question. How do you lead and equip others to follow suit on this?
1: Well, I think that it's really important that you understand the payoff or the what's in it for me about change. And you have to really, really, really think about that because you're asking people to change their postures, maybe from a historic standpoint, even I've been this way. I've always been this way. It's always worked for me. Why should I change? So you have to really focus and think about that why question in order for people to be willing to go through the discomfort, sometimes the conflict that can can be uh, associated with, with change.
0: Do you have an example of whether it could be work or personal, of a time that you worked with someone and helped them on the journey to shift maybe a core belief or help tie together their the benefit for them so that you could turn that ship?
1: I can tell you about a time when I was with, the Indianapolis Star, uh, and I was uh, with that company, which was later called the, the Gannett Company. Then it became Tegna, and it's now been purchased uh, by, by Gatehouse Media, uh, I believe. And I joined that organization in 1998 when there was an evening paper and as well as the Morning Star. It was the evening news and the Morning Star. And as that whole model started to shift, it became really apparent over that 14 year period that I was there that readers and people who wanted and of course needed news were finding other ways to, to get it. The whole industry shifted from a model of the daily newspaper being relevant to get news to more of a leisure activity with the advent of the internet, uh, the advent of online media. So you had people who built their whole careers on this uh, business model, who slowly watched this change over time um, and come into the reality of, we're gonna have to do business differently in order to stay relevant was difficult. And to get folks in HR to understand that we would have to change along with the business and along with the external factors, because there was a day that you could you know, sell ads uh, in a daily paper for several hundred thousand dollars on a Sunday. And those days are now gone. Obviously, you can get news on your phone, your tablet, and you can get it in real time. So uh, there were several levels of change management that went on during that 14 year period, which for me would have been from 2000. No, it would have been from 1998 to 2012. And watching that business model change gradually from about the early to mid, about the early 2000s, 2003, 2004, through the time that I left. Um, so. It went through a pretty dramatic shift during that uh, time frame, and it was really helping people to understand that whether we like it or not, things are changing in this business, and how do we best manage that change and be part of it? And that was very very tough.
0: And I could see how you know you had talked about the importance of tying the outcome to that the other people's you know, individual personal experiences and, you know, an industry shifting. And it's like, hey, how? here's how we're living right now and the rewards that we get for the work we do. But painting the picture like this is going to go away, making that very personal to them to help them understand why that change is so important. So thank you for illustrating that. And I, um, I want to go around the topic of failing forward. So James, at your level of success and understanding of this topic, failure has to have come into play, I'm sure. So share a personal failure experience in learning to lead change.
1: I think there, there there was one experience that I had that essentially it's really understanding culture and ensuring that you are looking at all aspects of culture uh, before working to spur change. So there was an experience where we ultimately got there, but there were several failures that occurred in trying to spur change because of not really having the best grasp on what was the framework of that culture and where did the roots start. And the important thing with changing companies is that you have to understand where those roots are in culture because many of the companies um, haven't changed for a number of years. So it's to the extent that you really understand the history and the history. And what brought that company to the point that it's that it's that it's at and what are, are the dynamics and culture? And this was a company I was with several companies back. And um, it was just one of those things where it, it was a learning moment for me that the, the biggest mistake that folks in HR can sometimes do is they can go into companies with the greatest processes and approaches that worked in other companies and simply try to implement those approaches in that next company. But you can't do that because every solution you bring has to be tailored towards and grounded in the culture of the company that you're now with. And I think that I maybe wanted at that time to take a past success and model it in a different culture. And I learned that you really have to take the time to understand the culture itself that you're in before you can begin to think about implementing any type of a change management uh, approach.
0: That is so key. So key. Thank you for making that point. And, you know, a no brainer around communication being an utmost important piece of the change management process is definitely real. Tell us your thoughts on communication and maybe best practices that you've experienced.
1: Well, I can tell you that first, you have to have really frank conversations at the top of every company as it relates to the reasons for change, getting buy-in at that top senior level. That is going to be a tough audience uh, because maybe the things that have gone on previously have been very successful, uh, have generated a lot of profit, and maybe Gaining the support and getting them to understand how the dynamics can affect the performance of, of a company longer term and really being able to communicate that and sell it. And, and then I think once you have that support, then you have to continue that continuous way of communicating at that next level through the employee level. And almost get to the point where you're doing a marketing campaign, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it in educating the employees at each touch point. Why we're doing this, how we do this. And that, that involves training. Uh, that involves open communication. It involves equipping leaders at each level and getting buy-in at each level, uh, which then gets into a leadership development or growth piece depending on where your company is on that scale there are some companies that have leaders that are very very developed at every level and are ready to understand and embrace change and then we have companies where the the leaders were promoted because they were really great widget makers and because they were great tactically they were they were promoted in over people who do widgets without the benefit of any type of formal training to gain the skill sets to help lead and manage change themselves. So I think that you have to have a tiered approach to it. Uh, You have to first, again, start at the top. You have to then drive communication through the organization. You have to train leaders and employees And HR has to play a very active role in that at each level.
0: Talk about the character and qualities of an excellent HR change agent. A few you've mentioned so far, be nimble and be a great communicator. What else?
1: We have to have courage. We have to have stamina. We have to have courage because the thing about HR at times is we can be the only person at a table That really understands the reason for change, the value of it and the benefit that it can can have and should have. So we have to be able to be that voice at the top senior level and even in a room where all the voices are sometimes not uh, aligning well with the subject of change and the, the reasons for it. And I would say that not only would change, but with any area of of HR, uh, the the strength of your HR department leader and function is almost entirely about its character, is being willing to do what's best for, for the employee. But it comes right down to it. HR's role is to help the business, is to best support the employees. And that's in virtually every way. And there are times we've all been in situations where leaders don't agree. They want to go another direction. They don't agree with uh, whatever the subject is. But our instinct and our gut and our knowledge and our experience tells us that this is the right thing. And ultimately, we are consultants. But we have to have the courage to stand up for the things that are right particularly if Joe and Mary employee who look to the company and look to HR to ensure that they have a workplace that is positive, productive and is uh, functioning in a way that's going to look out for them and their families longer term, then we play a critical role in that. And I think that um, one leader once told me, do the right thing, even if it means your political death. And, um, I've tried to live by that because I have to like the individual I see every morning when I wake up.
0: That's a great point. And I love how you led your response around courage. And I think in order to have that sustained courage every day, we have to authentically be in the right role for the right reason, you know? So, You know, it's just so important to be able to sustain that. And some people, lots of people, I mean, statistics say that many of us do unfulfilling work every day. And so you've got to have that part figured out in order to build that platform to sustain that courage to do it, you know? So, just something worth mentioning. So, James, tell us your favorite story, your experience being a change agent and the scenario of how the process started and the outcome experienced once the change was adopted.
1: I would tell you that probably my proudest story. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of change. So that's going to have me think, think back. Uh, it virtually has come into play in about every role that I've, I've been in. Because most companies are, are, are not standing still. I would probably tell you uh, a time that I was with a, a timeshare exchange company and we were going through, uh, we had been family owned and we were purchased by a large leisure company and uh, le- leisure travel company. And uh, we had, had been purchased, but we went through, as you would uh, change. The, uh, the new owners came in, had a, a different business model. Uh, certainly there, there was stability for the short term, but there's usually some sort of change in the mid to, to longer term. And this was a very special company in that there was great uh, alignment with and, and loyalty to the family that owned the company. And it was a very special, special workplace, very special culture very positive, very forward-thinking, and still is, but it was a very fun place to be. And having had the large publicly traded company background, uh, I had seen both sides of it. So as someone who at that point was not in a top HR leadership role, I was in a mid-level role that um, involved really helping the employees, the leaders embrace change and managing through it. And there were people that decided for one reason or the other to to pursue change in where they worked and how they earned their living and where they wanted to to take their careers. And some that were impacted by that, you know, shift in business business ownership. And I really enjoyed the people who were able to transition both internally into new careers and I kept track of virtually all of those folks, A, because uh, there was a process for that and B, because I cared about all of them because I was also uh, early in my career at the same company in a senior level recruiting role. So I knew them, I knew their families and to see them prosper either with the company or at other companies. And I kept a running total on about 95% of those folks that were impacted one way or the other landed in better careers, better roles. And of those other that were impacted, either chose to retire or go a different direction. So I would tell you it was a situation where I was uh, earlier in my career and really didn't know or understand a lot about the change process. I I greatly benefited from being part of it and then to be able to see it play out in a positive way and, and being able to help people during that time, which was a very difficult time in that moment but just in a handful of weeks and months uh, to see a lot of positive uh, outcomes.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love hanging with you and getting your mentoring advice. It's always a gift. Thank you, James. So now we get to dive in and learn a little bit about James. I wonder if there's anything that I'm going to learn right now that I don't already know because he's a friend of mine. So James, I'd love to know, and our listeners would love to know, what is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read?
1: I would say my favorite book of all time, which... Actually, it's similar to the subject, but I, I, I've always enjoyed it, is Who Moved My Cheese? And it's a book about change management that I read probably back in the, it would have been in the 90s, but I still look at that book from time to time and pick up different pieces from it. So that's something that, then I read a lot of books now about learning about leadership and continuing to be, and we're always in a learning mode we never stop learning. And that's the mindset that we should all have, no matter what roles we are in, the roles we aspire to be in. And we've never gotten to the place where we, we, we can feel good about not learning. So that, that would be a hard one to say what's my favorite recently. Um, but I can tell you that my favorite book of all time right now is that, Who Move My Cheese?
0: And then James, how about a favorite hobby when you're not working?
1: I have a passion for golf. It's the one sport. Um, I've done a variety of sports in, in my life and have been a pretty decent athlete at one time. Uh, but golf is one that I cannot master. <laughs> and a master wouldn't even be the right word. I'm just not good. But but I do enjoy it. It's, it's the one um, thing that I enjoy doing that really allows me to relax. Uh, I enjoy... Uh, spending time uh, with uh, friends and, uh, and just uh, being outside and taking in the course and the weather and the whole experience to me. It's, it's more than just uh, hitting a white ball. It's really the, the, uh, the spiritual side of it uh, that I really enjoy. and I uh, have played golf in many states and in several countries, and I actually have a place in my home where I keep the, the, the little books with the little yardage books from the different courses I played from Jamaica to Hawaii to Phoenix to Las Vegas to Indy to wherever. So I, I, I can tell you that that is, that is my favorite hobby.
0: All right, James. So um, I know this one's going to be tough for you. Favorite vacation spot?
1: Scottsdale, Arizona. That is uh, where I travel in a non-COVID world uh, about three times uh, per year. And uh, my, typically I do two trips with my wife and one with friends. And uh, um, I play, I try to play different courses, but I'm starting to now backtrack somewhat. But uh, play courses out there, love the weather, love the environment, love the uh, culture, and to feel very comfortable there. I've been there so often that I know the city like I know this one. So I can rent a car, don't need directions. Um, I typically go to the Northeast Valley.
0: And then, James, how can our listeners connect with you after the show?
1: The best way to reach out to me would be um, either jameskeo at com or jmskeo at gmiddock.com.
0: James, it was a treat to have you join us today. Here's my truth you can act on, friends. Number one, be nimble as a leader. Number two, don't forget that to change the way we think, we have to change our core belief. What are you stuck in with change? Get to the root. What's the belief that needs challenged? Good stuff. Number three, to help others change, you have to tie the change to their why or what's in it for them or how the change benefits them. That's the first step in adoption to process for change in anything. And such a great reminder, always tying back. And we can't do that just once. We've got to do that over and over again. Number four. Two big picture considerations. Know the culture and honor it in your change process strategy. And the top of the organization has to be completely bought in to the change, the change strategy, all the initiatives. So important. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.